Welcome to the Mile High Flight Show, where a Jets fan and a Broncos fan get together to talk about the NFL and other sports. I'm your host, Ryan Marinholtz, alongside Enrique Cisneros, and let's get into this. There is just so much to talk about this week, Enrique. We're getting into more of the NFL draft, covering some more of the teams, uh, and we have plenty of news to get to. How are you doing today, my friend? Uh, I'm doing good, buddy. I'm super one. Always excited to talk to you. Uh, secondly, I mean, it's fight night, dude. Um, yes. You know, I'm all. You know, anytime there's a, a big card uh, from the UFC, especially uh, like we talked about in last week's episode, um, um, I'm balls to the wall, dude. I'm so hyped. Um, but obviously, I, I actually did want to uh, start out on a bit somber note because uh, today I woke up to a message from you um, informing me that Dwayne Haskins, the former first overall or not first overall, but first round pick from the Washington, now Washington Commanders and uh, current Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback uh, tragically passed away this morning. And um, yeah. so I just wanted to say um, rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, much love to his family. I know that uh, I can't imagine what they're going through right now, but uh, thoughts and prayers to them for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Rest in peace to him. He's a young kid, only 24 years old, unfortunately. Um, and it's just awful, awful news to see this morning. Um, but uh, I guess we well, can go ahead and move on to some of the uh, more fortunate NFL news here. Uh, going back a week or so, something that we didn't cover last week, uh, Bobby Wagner signing with the Rams for five years, $50 million. Uh, and then that contract is closer to two years, 17.5 million guaranteed. Uh, and the Rams have kind of structured it in a way that allows them to, uh, if it doesn't work out, cut him after, uh, you know, the first year, second year, whatever, without a lot of dead cap. Um, so interesting deal for him. Uh, he can definitely collect a good chunk of money anyway, but then even more money if he can stay on the field and uh, be good for the Rams, which I'm sure he probably will be. How are you feeling about that move? Um, well, I do want to say that I called it. I thought this was yeah. the I thought this was the perfect fit for Bobby. Um, I love it. And you know, like I love the rah-rah guys that are out on the field sometimes. Um, you know, like I, I, when Jamal Adams was a Jet, I loved him because he was just – he was like heart and soul, leave it on the field type of guy. Um, and I feel like Bobby Wagner's in that same mold. Uh, Bobby Wagner already came out and said, just like I did, uh, playing the Seahawks twice a year is, is pretty nice. You know, he said there's no – he doesn't hold any hate in his heart, but it definitely is a nice cherry on top to get back. And um, he said he's going to make sure that – they know he's out there. And I love I love how he's just flipped his jersey number. Now he's wearing 45 instead of 54. That's Yeah. It makes me want to go get both jerseys just so I can have the matching set. Right? It it goes hard for sure. Uh so love, so, love it, love it. Love it. I absolutely love it too. Yeah, I think it's a great fit for him with the Rams defending Super Bowl champion uh and inside linebacker kind of a curious move because inside linebacker has not been a position that the Rams uh, historically within the last half decade or, or Soviet um, have invested a lot in, whether that's in the draft or free agency. Uh, and you even see last year on their Super Bowl run, they had uh, Kenny Young and ended up trading him to the Denver Broncos uh, prior to the Von Miller trade completely separate. Um, and he was at the time, the leading tackler, I think for the team and the league, 
uh, during that point in the season. So it's one of those positions that they haven't uh, invested a ton in before, but when you have a difference maker at the level of Bobby Wagner, um, and then also when you lose uh, a leader like Von Miller and somebody who has already won a Super Bowl, which granted most of those guys on the roster now have anyways, but having that veteran presence is always important. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why Bobby got signed there to the Rams. Um, so another move, a former Ram uh, that actually got traded over to the Texans uh, now re-signs with the Texans in Brandon Cooks. He gets two years and $39.6 million, with 36 of that being guaranteed. Uh, yeah, I, uh, well, so this was, um, this to me was a genius move by the Texans because you trade Brandon Cooks and then what do you have? Like, right. who, who are you throwing the ball to at this, at this point? Brandon Cooks is a super reliable, uh, like get it done type of guy. Is he one of these guys that, um, he's a big enough difference maker. I'll, I'll just put it that way. He's a big enough difference maker. Um, especially for this team that's very deprived of talent right now. Yeah, this was this was an obvious move. This is something they should have did at the beginning of the offseason, in my opinion, um, yeah. because, you know, the whole offseason, Brandon Cooks is at to hear. And I get it. You probably wanted to wait until you're closer to the draft to see how your roster is going to shape out with free agency. And um, especially now that the teams are kind of buckling down and kind of uh, pinpointing on the guys that they uh, they want. Uh, yeah, this was this was a no brainer for sure. Uh, shout out to Brown and Cooks because dude just stayed in the league. Like every single time, I think you know he's gonna like falter or you know maybe not be it because he's like a B level NFL guy, you know. Um, yeah. And every single time that I think that he's going to like drop down a rank, dude stays and stays productive, stays healthy. Um, and yeah, he he got got a nice little bag with the Texans, and um, you know I know that Davis Mills is. Uh, excited about it so yeah I think they finally did something right absolutely I was going to say the exact same thing with Davis Mills and kind of like what we talked about uh, last week with the Texans uh, when you covered them for the pre-draft was they're a team that you know maybe they're not going to be competitive next year uh, or maybe even the year after that but they're building um, and they have some promising players uh, primarily with Davis Mills and their quarterback and they want to see what they can get out of him Um, and this is the time to do that, right? So you want to surround him with whatever talent you can. Uh, obviously, Brandon Cooks uh, played well with Davis Mills uh, when last year when they were together, um, and Davis Mills started his career um, and building that chemistry with him. Great move to keep him in that room. You got a veteran there, so if you do want to draft somebody for the rebuild, then you got somebody to mentor him as well. Um, but I think it would have been a, a bad step had they let Brandon Cooks walk and said, well, we're rebuilding anyways. We don't need to spend money on a veteran like that. Um, because I, I just don't think that would be a, a, the best situation for Davis Mills if you're trying to see what he's got. Um, so good, like you said, good move from the Texans uh, and excited to see what they do in the draft moving forward. Um, another move here, Keanu Neal, formerly of the Falcons, signs with the Bucks, and he changes his position back to safety. Um, he was initially a safety and then uh, changed over to an inside linebacker um, and was, just couldn't stay on the field, but would, played well at inside linebacker when he was there. Right. Yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good move for the Bucs. Um, Keanu Neal is someone that I kind of like – he's a big enough name because I remember him coming out of the draft. Um, 
who drafted him originally? Was it the Cowboys or the Raiders? I want to say the Cowboys, but I might be wrong on that. I think he spent time with both teams, right? I believe so. I'm going to look it up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a solid, nice little move for the Bucks. And he, you know, uh, the Buccaneers, they kind of get into where they, when they're healthy, they have stars almost at each position, um, give or take. But then usually, you know, by the time the season gets rolling around, someone's missing or someone's hurt or so yeah, the Bucks always find a nice way to um to keep nice depth players in their uh, in their rotation because I mean that's how you win bowls with Todd Bowles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh for sure. Keanu Neal is definitely, you know, that's a veteran signing, somebody that when he's on the field, you're gonna get good play out of. Um, is he necessarily going to be a starter at this point in his career, like a consistent starter? It really depends. Um, it depends on his health for one thing, but if he can keep his level of play and they've got a talented backfield there. Um, but, and then, so I did look it up. He was actually, he was drafted by the Falcons, but he was with the Cowboys this past season. Um, oh, so, so he's never with the Raiders. Dang. Yeah. I thought he was too, but um yeah, but so that's a that's a good move for the Bucks, like you said, just getting some depth. Um, I don't have the numbers here, but I don't think it was a very big deal either. Um, so good for him signing there, and very possible they go and win another bowl here. Um, and then another move here, uh, big big trade between the Saints and the Eagles involving a ton of draft picks. Um, that's something we're going to get to a little bit more in a later section of the show today. Uh, moving on here, we got Ravens. Resigning Calais Campbell for two years and twelve point five million, uh, and I love this move. Like we've talked about before, Calais Campbell go, uh, went to Colorado. Um, I've always wanted him as a Denver Bronco, but I love him as a uh, Raven. He's one of those players where you look at him in a Ravens uniform and you're like, "Yeah, that dude is supposed to be there." Um, and so I'm glad to see him be there, and I hope he retires as a Raven for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah, I agree. I think he definitely will retire as a Raven. Um, and dude, it's so crazy with the like uh, older uh, veteran uh, free agent goes to Baltimore, and they just look like they naturally are supposed to be there forever. Like right. even like uh, Shannon Sharp when Shannon Sharp went from the Broncos over to the Ravens. Like, yeah, dude's jersey just looked normal. Like it looked like he played there forever. And exactly, I, I agree. I love Calais Campbell, a uh, good dude, great player. Um, and yeah, like an even better man. So I'm, uh, I'm super excited that he's back with the Ravens and a little bit of a back too. He's an ageless wonder, man. He just keeps playing. Like just has no problem. What is he like? 35, 36 yeah, or something? Something ridiculous like that. But like you said, ageless, ageless wonder. And he's still got that power. He's still got that athleticism. And um, yeah, it, it really is nuts for sure. And there's a ton of players like that, like you mentioned, where like it's just even um, Teron Matthew, to be honest with you, obviously he hasn't signed with the Ravens. And that seems uh, very unlikely considering the Marcus Williams signing. But right. he was one of those oh, players that like I was like he if he was wearing purple, that fits. That looks correct. That looks right to me. But it is what it is. Yeah, that would be a that would be madness. That would be. And then, especially if the Ravens, if the Ravens somehow got the Honey Badger, and then still picked up like one of these top corners in this year's draft, yeah. it would just be it would be done though. 
absurd. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then, so our last uh, big move here in the NFL, uh, the Denver Broncos re-signing Kareem Jackson on a one-year $5 million deal. This is one I was really excited about. I was not sure if he was going to re-sign. Um, the presiding logic was that uh, our backup, Caden Stearns, uh, coming into his second year, uh, I believe he was out of Texas, um, He that he was going to start over or start. And that still may actually be the case here, despite picking up Kareem Jackson. Um, Previously, he started at strong safety for us across from Justin Simmons. Uh, However, he's kind of aging. He's losing a bit of his step, but, you know, he's still that leader in the locker room. He's established in that locker room. Um, And I, I think it's a very valuable presence to have. And what it, from what it sounds like the Broncos defense is looking to go with a lot more, uh, you know, dime nickel packages with more DBs out on the field, less linebackers. Um, and so this appears to be a move uh, to kind of solidify that and solidify the depth that we have there. Obviously you want more corners than you want safeties out there. Um, but there's certain packages where you could throw Kareem Jackson out there, um, almost make it a heavy box. You know what I mean? Essentially right. at this in, point in his career, he can be like a smaller um, inside linebacker and focus more on, you know, run and just getting the tackle and being reinforcement like that. So, uh, very excited for him to be back. Yeah. I, um, I'm excited for, this is a big locker room move for me. And then exactly if the Broncos use him exactly how you just said, I think it's perfect. I think he's a little bit like, you know, he's a bit of a liability. I'm not, I'm not a cream Jackson guy at all. Like, I'm just not a cream Jackson guy. Um, but, all fair to him. And I think in the end, if it works out for the Broncos, it works out for the Broncos, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good move. It's a good move. Absolutely. Yeah. And Kareem Jackson is one of those players that uh, he spent most of his career at corner with the Texans and then moved over to safety. And it kind of worked out like that's the quotations best years of his career that he's really had is here in Denver. Um, But to your point, he's not, he has a very specific, skill set and that skill set has uh narrowed even more with age and uh, just partially because of his play style too because he's he's that dude like that just uh hits people you know what i mean his whole thing is coming up and just smacking the crap out of people um and getting his defense fired up and it's you know it's a useful role um and one that can uh elevate a defense but it can also give up a lot uh, in terms of coverage, uh, and you know, just things like that. Uh, sometimes he'll whiff on tackles because he's trying to go too hard on it and then ends up missing. And so there's just things like that. And like I said, it diminishes even more with age. Um, but as a locker room guy, I'm like, yeah, come back in here, buddy. We got you. All right. So, uh, to move on, that, that's pretty much it for our NFL moves here. Uh, we're going to go into some more pre-draft stuff. Uh, we went ahead and selected a few teams today. I'm uh, not really going to talk too much about the Broncos and Jets, uh, but we just wanted to go through some teams that interested us and uh, we wanted to take a look at. Um, so to start off here, I'm going to go ahead and look at the Lions. Uh, and they are they have a lot going on. They are a team, we kind of discussed them just a tiny bit last week uh, in a conversation about the Jets. Um, but they are a team that is rising. They have some talent across the roster. 
um, whether that be some vets that are going to need to be replaced uh, with younger talent soon here, or a couple of young guys that have some potential, um, have shown some things, but aren't, haven't necessarily blossomed yet. Um, but they have hope, you know what I mean? Um, and that starts with the head coach, Dan Campbell. Uh, we talked a little bit about him. He is just a very passionate guy. He loves football, uh, loves coaching, and just wants to win. Um, and I think you saw his guys play for him the entire year, never give up. Um, and they he's building something there uh, over in Detroit. Um, and then their GM, Brad Holmes, uh, making the draft picks. He So far, he has not had the best track record, but he's not like – outright bad as a GM. So, uh, you know, jury is out on him. Um, but really it's just going to depend on what kind of success they can have in the next couple of years here. Um, and then little interesting, uh, tidbit here, uh, the lions actually were selected for, uh, HBO's hard knocks this upcoming season. So, uh, we'll be able to see them in training camp. I'm not sure. Cause I know they did an in-season one with the Colts last year. I don't know if that's that again this year. Okay. But I don't yeah. know if it's going to be with the Colts. Yeah, they said they really liked that. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting too. I wasn't sure if they were going to keep that format, but I, because it's, it's kind of like um, almost kind of blue ballsing it a little bit when you're like, you just do the whole training camp and it's like the lead up just to kick off. Oh, and I'm like, right, you, exactly. You like just stopped at the best part of it. So, um, yeah. So anyways, excited for hard knocks with the lions. That'll be, there'll be a very interesting team to watch. And then that will kind of give us a, a inside look at Dan Campbell's coaching style a little bit. Um, I'm sure they won't show us. I'm most excited. That's who I'm most excited to see about it is yeah. Dan Campbell. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, there's so much talk of like all the stuff that I just said about him. Um, and it's like, you can say that all day. What's, really behind it. And that'll be kind of interesting for the world to see, um, a little bit there. Um, and then, so, but interesting thing for Dan Campbell here, uh, he, or I'm sorry for uh, Jared Goff. So this is actually the third time Jared Goff has been featured on hard knocks. Um, this is thanks to Enrique, uh, this, this fact here, his first time was with the Rams in 2016, uh, when I believe they still had Jeff Fisher. Um, yeah, and then, that was his rookie season. Gotcha. And then the second time was uh, with the Rams and Chargers joint season where they had both of them at the same time, uh, kind of that LA rivalry a little bit. That was pretty fun. And then now he's going to be on it again with the, uh, the Lions. And I, I don't know if that's uh, indicative of Jared Goff's career or not, but an interesting fact nonetheless. Dude, I think like, I, well, I love Jared Goff, like since his days at UCLA. Um, yeah. And so I've just really always liked him. Like, I think just he's a super likable dude. And mm -hmm. he, like, just kind of rolls with the punches in his NFL career. Like, he came to the Rams, I think, when they were still in St. Louis, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Were they still in St. Louis? Um, it, if they weren't, it was, like, the first year of the move. Like, it was right LA, around yeah. that time. Yeah, because they still had all the St. Louis, like, colors and logos and everything. Yeah. Um, so... You know, and that's with Jeff Fisher. And then he gets thrust into Sean McVay, superstardom, becomes like the face of the L.A., you know, franchise, uh, goes to a Super Bowl, uh, you know, and then gets traded 
like randomly to the Detroit fucking Lions. That's where you <laughs> trade me. That's how you're gonna do me. Um, yeah, so I know, dude. So they sent him to the abyss of Detroit, Michigan. And uh yeah, he just ate it up, dude. And now he's like to me, he like fits in Detroit so perfectly. He's like just the perfect dude for Detroit right now. I just I I just love Jared Goff. Absolutely. I think he's he's definitely one of those just put your nose down, work hard, don't complain too much um kind of guys and he is willing to i think you saw that because a lot of people you know you talk about with the ram with him with the rams prior to that and that he was the uh thing that was holding them back the bottleneck to them winning a super bowl which proved technically to be true this past year Uh, it makes you feel bad for him but you know i think obviously he has flaws in his game and things that uh, he needs to improve if he wants to be a long-term quarterback in this league. Um, but like you said, he's a great guy, uh, and he rolls with the punches. He works hard. He does his thing. That's totally a Detroit-style player. Um, so it's it's cool to see him there in that sense. And to go back to what we were talking about last week, uh, I think a lot of that was proved, too, when you saw them finally get their first win against the Vikings. Uh, and Jared Goff and Dan Campbell shared that uh, like super passionate hug with each other. And they were like, just how much blood, sweat, and tears had been put into that just to get one win. And it's like, right. and, and not give up, you know? So that speaks to the person he is, but then also to the uh, coach that Dan Campbell is as well. Um, but yeah, definitely an uh, interesting little, little fact that it's going to be his third time on hard knocks. And uh, you know, maybe, maybe he's just the California star. You know, they just want to keep following him. He's the Hollywood guy. Right. Well, I mean, you know, he is the Hollywood guy. He was the first overall draft pick. And, but yeah, this this season of Hard Knocks, I can't even lie. I only watched a few episodes of the last few seasons just because I just wasn't really interested in these teams. Like, I just right. truly wasn't. Um, but this year, for sure, every single episode, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to devour because, dude, the Lions, I just, one, I just don't think – people want to know about the lions. So the fact that they picked the lions is like perfect uh, because we're going to be able to see like a side of a franchise that no one gives a fuck about really like right. no one cares about the Detroit lions. So the fact that they are like putting the spotlight on them and exactly what she said about the Dan Campbell thing. I'm just excited to see how crazy he is. That's the thing. I just want to see how crazy he is. I just want to see if he's just like fucking balls to the wall all the time. Just, that's that's what I'm excited to see. I'm just excited to see uh, Dan Campbell just be a maniac the whole the whole se- the whole series. Absolutely, yeah. Motor City Dan Campbell going crazy, <laughs> fucking coaching. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm super excited for it too. I I totally agree with you there. I think uh, not only is it like it's a good thing that they're putting the spotlight on the Lions, but it's the right time to put it on the Lions because it really is a time where again, kind of like the Texans, but. Uh, I would argue, honestly, the Lions have more talent than the Texans right now. Um, yeah. That uh, they're they're up and coming. They have some promising things going on, and if things go the right way, uh, you know, you could see them kind of become a media darling. Maybe if they come out uh, on the season and uh, get some wins and have a more promising team, uh, especially with this hard knocks and the microscope on them, uh, it'll be really interesting to watch. Watch as opposed to like, you know. 
say, uh, what was the 0 and 16 season, like 2008 or whatever it was, if you had hard knocks then, and it's just, you're just watching a dumpster fire and it's like almost pointing and laughing more than it is right. like, look at these guys who could be good in a little bit, maybe. So. Yeah, um, exactly. I agree a thousand percent. So we can go ahead and uh, jump into some of the draft stuff with them here. Uh, biggest weaknesses, you know, I, I made a joke here on my list. It's basically the whole roster, but uh, they do have quite a bit of things that they need to look at. Um, they do have, like I kind of talked about a little bit earlier, is there's some players that are young and still have potential that they want to see uh, who they can be, like Jeff Okuda, you think about. Um, I would say Penny Sewell, but we all know that he's good, so it's not really a concern. Um, DeAndre Swift, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like that, a few guys that they're, they're kind of waiting on and just like letting them develop. Um, but the rest of this roster is really comprised of, um, a lot of guys that, uh, for lack of a better term are no names or some aging veterans that are okay for now, not going to be okay in the upcoming years. So they need to be replaced at some point here. Um, so to start off with, uh, I have QB, uh, obviously Jared Goff. I like him. Like we talked about, he's a good person. Uh, he has a lot of things to clean up on his game. If he wants to be the type of quarterback that can win a championship. And not only that, but if you're going to be the Detroit lions, long-term quarterback, if you're trying to go anywhere with the Detroit lions, you can't just be like with the Rams, you could be carried to a super bowl. Like we saw in 2018. And is it, uh, a little bit of a, a jump for him to win it even then. Yeah. Cause he didn't. Um, and so you think about that with the lions, he'd have to be a lot better of a quarterback to not only not be carried by the lions defense, which isn't going to carry him right now, but carry the team to that. Um, so from a long-term perspective, you just, you don't see how that's going to uh, be a thing personally. So for me, that is the biggest weakness, but you don't know for sure that they're actually going to go QB in this draft either, uh, just because of the uh, appearance of it being a, a more weaker class as far as quarterbacks are concerned. And then the depth with other positions, this may be a, a type of draft for the Lions where they choose to uh, forego a quarterback or maybe take one in later rounds, a possible developmental guy. Um, and not spend a first round pick and then use that first round pick instead on um, some blue chip talent. Um, so some more weaknesses here. You have running back. They do have a few people uh, in the room, DeAndre Swift, we mentioned, and a couple other guys, uh, but none of them really stand out as even number one options. It's a room by committee right now. Um, and DeAndre Swift could cement himself as that, but he has not to this point. Uh, defensive line, you got Michael Brockers. He is aging, one of those aging veterans. He's okay for now, but you're going to have to replace him. So really you want to replace that whole defensive line at some point for the Lions. Um, defensive backs, you have Jeff Okuda. Uh, other than that, you know, not a whole lot going on. Um, so both with the safety position and with corner. And then inside offensive line and tackle, uh, they do have some players there. They're really, I would almost say their offensive line is probably the best overall unit. Um, yeah. I, I believe they ranked 13th last year in the league. Um, you have Penny Sewell on the right side. 
Um, and so you would want a left tackle. Um, I cannot remember the guy they have there now. He's not awful, um, but he's Taylor not Decker? a long... Yes, Taylor Decker. You're totally right. Um, yeah, he's not awful, um, but I don't view him as a long-term solution. Uh, guards, they're pretty okay at the moment, and I wouldn't look for that to be necessarily like a um, immediate need. Um, but I would say their weakest link is the center. Um, PF, uh, PFF gave him a 66.5 grade last year. Um, and so I, for me, oh, Evan Brown was his name, uh, their center. Um, and so for me, that's that's definitely someone that you would want to look into as well. Uh, and then you have uh, Ed Rusher, obviously. Uh, and you could, like I said, go on and name pretty much most of the positions, but those are the biggest things to me. Um, we can go through some additions and departures that they had this offseason real quick. Um, for departures, they had wide receiver Kaderil Hodge leave, and then outside linebacker Jalen Reeves-Maben. Um, and then for additions, they added DJ Chark, big add there. Um, I think I, – I don't know if DJ is automatically your first wide receiver. He might be. You have uh, – what was that, rookies? Armand St. Rob Brown? Saint Brown. Yeah, he, he's, yeah, he was solid. It, so I, I, I'm not really – positive that uh chark will immediately overtake him but we'll, we'll just have to see how that plays out but either way those are two solid enough guys you would like to see them add uh in the draft maybe a little bit later um but not a bad room there for sure especially with that addition wow. of dj chark um and then added a couple inside linebackers in chris board and gerard davis to me neither of those guys are going to be long-term solutions for you um but they are additions nonetheless and then Absolutely. cornerback Mike Hughes and another guy, not really a long-term solution, but good enough for now. Um, for their draft picks, in the first round, they have two of them, uh, first one being at number two, and then the second one all the way down at 32. Uh, and then in their second round, oh, I guess that would probably be the Jared Goff first-round pick, 32. Yes, sir. Uh, and then uh, second round, they have number 34. So just the second pick in the second round, essentially a first rounder. Um, they have right. two third round picks, one fifth, two sixth, and then one seventh round pick. So a lot of weapons uh, in terms of traffic to work with there um, and uh, get you some quality players here. Um, as for the needs in the draft, uh, outlined a couple players that I like for each position. We'll start with QB. If they're going to go high and pick a QB, I would want it to be Malik Willis. Um, you have that athleticism. You have that arm. He has some things he needs to work on uh, in terms of footwork, in terms of pocket presence, um, and just functioning in a, a more advanced offense. And we've yet to really see him against top-tier competition, so there's always that question, too, with him coming out of Liberty. Um, right. But if you're going to go a little bit later in the draft for a QB, I really like Caleb Ellaby out of Western Michigan. He's a smart guy. Um, doesn't really super blow you away uh, physically in any area, but he gets the job done and he played a, a couple games uh, against some of the uh, other quarterbacks in this class. Uh, and he beat, or he almost beat Kenny Pickett, but he outplayed him in that game. Um so an interesting option there, somebody that you would pick if you just want to put him behind Jared Goff and see if he can turn into something uh, while you wait for maybe a, a next year a, a more convincing prospect to shoot for. 
Um, and then for edge, uh, this is one of those positions where because of who's there, they may use that number two pick on. Um, and so I went with uh, Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan, if he's there at number two, and then Kayvon Thibodeau or Thibodeau out of Oregon. Um, obviously, top of the draft guys, uh, both guys you're not going to be angry with. If you get, it really just depends on who's picked number one. Um, and uh, yeah. And then for offensive tackle. All right. We're going to try this again. I butchered his name last week and I'm going to attempt not to do it this time. Ikem Ekwanu. Nice. That is, nice. that is how you say it. That is how you say it. I'll take it. Uh, out of NC State. Another guy, uh, we talked about him last week. I like him a lot. A very athletic, um, well, ridiculously athletic, I really should say. Um, and then Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. Uh, I would feel like Ekwanu, you probably can't get with 32 Penning, I could see a world where potentially you could, uh, but I can just as easily see a world where you can't. So it's just going to yeah. depend on how that board falls. Um, and then for uh, inside offensive line, I like Dylan Parham out of Memphis. He's going to be specifically a center. Um, and then Cole Strange, who can play at center or either guard um, out of Chattanooga. Uh, for running back, another guy I talked about last week, uh, Pierre Strong Jr. out of South Dakota State, smaller guy, um, but he is an explosive runner, got a lot of speed, got a lot of agility, agility can catch out of the backfield, um, isn't the best blocker, uh, but uh, neither are most of the runners in the Lions uh, running back room. So, you know, but with that particular point in mind, Ty Chandler uh, out of North Carolina would be a back uh, that can provide some more of that uh, pass protection for you um, as well as just being a potential decent all around back and North Carolina, uh, as we both know, being a Broncos and Jets fans have a, a good yeah. recent track record for running backs. Absolutely. I was just going to say the same thing, actually. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. My, Michael Carter on the Jets and he looks to be uh, potential. I would assume probably the starter for you guys next year and potential like you know, star. Um, and then Javante Williams as well with the Broncos. And, uh, so then for defensive line, another guy I brought up last week that I just can't get over, uh, Thomas Booker out of Stanford, very smart guy. Um, he's got some work to do. He would be uh, like more of a second, third, fourth round pick, um, and kind of develop a little bit, but I think he's got a high upside um, and he can play defensive end uh, or nose tackle if you wanted him to put on some weight there. Um, and then if you're going to go high for a defensive line in the, the draft, uh, got to go Jordan Davis, nose tackle out of Georgia. Uh, just that big guy who's going to eat up a lot of blocks and uh, really set them up for a good um, run defense there in Detroit. Uh, for cornerback, a couple guys. Uh, Derek Stingley Jr., if you're going to go high, obviously it needs no introduction out of LSU. Um, and then Marcus Jones, maybe a little bit later, you can find in second, third round uh, out of Houston, and he would be more of a slot guy. Um, and then for safety, uh, Kyle Hamilton, obviously my first choice if you're going to use that uh, number two pick on him. Um, and then out of Notre Dame, and then Nick Cross out of Maryland, another guy that's going to be more of a second, third uh, round guy. Um, and, and Nick Cross is more of a, uh, field safety, whereas Kyle Hamilton is like 
I, I hesitate to compare him to um, like a Teron Matthew or uh, like those, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, just kind of like unique players that don't necessarily have like a standard free safety, strong safety role. Um, right. But he's got his own kind of style going on. So it's hard to like directly compare him to one of those guys. But um, yeah, so those are uh, the needs in the draft for the Lions, some players that I think uh, could be really good for him. Uh, and then I think uh, we'll go ahead and move on here. And I will hand it off to you, Enrique, and we can talk about the Eagles. Oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, so the Eagles obviously have uh, – they've, they've definitely shook things up. I don't even really – like uh, their head coach, Nick Sirianni, and their GM, Howie Roseman. Sometimes I, I can't get in their head at all, um, especially Nick Sirianni. I, I can't get in his head at all. Um, they – I mean – so I initially thought they traded all of their first round picks to New Orleans. Right. Uh, they did not. And I, because I, I was, uh, I was looking more into it this morning and I'm glad I looked more into it because I really did think they traded all their first round picks, which I would have thought was crazy. Um, but they didn't. But the, uh, nonetheless, the Eagles still are a very hard team to predict. Um, at least they have some very glaring needs. Um, I think the defensive line and the pass rush, which uh, the pass rush, which has always been the Eagles' uh, strength, um, at least in my memory, the Eagles have always had a strong defensive line. Yeah. Um, I think that you know Fletcher Cox is obviously getting older, um, and Derek Barnett didn't do it last year. They did bring Derek Barnett uh, back, um, uh, Fletcher Cox as well. Uh, they initially released him and then brought him back on a one-year. Um, uh, one year deal, but so defensive line pass rush is my uh first uh need for them. Um, and then the offensive line, I I think that they have certain pieces on their offensive line, but some of those guys are getting a little bit older. Um, and so we got to start plugging and playing in guys to protect Jalen Hurts because I do think Jalen Hurts is the answer there for the Eagles. Um, uh, wide receiver. Uh, slash playmaker. Um, now, obviously, they just took uh, Devontae Smith. Um, you know, I think they took him, what, like sixth overall, fourth overall, fifth overall? I something. think six. I think you're spot on. Yeah, I think it was sixth overall as well. Um, and obviously, he's a playmaker, but he cannot be the only guy on the field, you know? Um, and so to get him a compliment, um, I, I was looking at the Eagles roster, and there's just no one – there's no one that I would really trust outside of him. Um, yeah. So it's it's just time to get Jalen Smith uh, or Jalen Hurts. Now I'm talking about them both. Um, it, would, it would be really, really wise to get Jalen Hurts some um, – just some playmakers, whether that's at the running back position, uh, wide receiver, tight end, just whatever. Um, corner, um, outside Darius Slay, uh, very, very weak uh, at corner, so – just like I was uh, saying to give Devonta Smith a, uh, a, a compliment, we gotta we gotta help out big play slay. Like can't yeah. can't leave him out there um, all by himself to man the secondary uh, linebacker. The Eagles, just like I said earlier, where the Eagles' defensive line has always been uh, one of their bigger strengths, and it's not anymore. The Eagles have always needed a linebacker. 
The Eagles have always yeah. needed a linebacker, like just constantly, constantly have needed like a true um, dominating linebacker that they haven't had in such a long time. Yeah. Um, and then um, just like I was saying earlier with the wide receiver and the playmakers, um, we got to get some more depth uh, at tight end behind Dallas Goddard um, because we just, there's just not that number two guy. Um, and truthfully, it kind of feels like Dallas Goddard's almost their uh, number one um, offensive uh, pass catching option at times. Right, because, yeah. uh, because one, um, it's, well, obviously, you know, uh, it was Devonta Smith's um, rookie year last year. So he's still playing through all the rookie things and, you know, learning how to play the game. And he still had an outstanding, I think he set the Eagles, um, uh, rookie receiving uh, record so he still had an outstanding yeah. rookie year but um, ultimately you, we still need some depth outside of Dallas at Dallas Goddard to give Jalen Hurts someone else to throw the ball to um, yeah. some guys some guys that they brought in just very very like I was looking at the Eagles transit uh, transaction log and they haven't they haven't really did much if I'm being honest with you um, they brought back Boston Scott Running back, one year, one point seven five million deal. Uh, Zach Pascal, wide receiver, another wide receiver, Greg Ward. Both those guys are coming back on one year deals. Uh, they brought back Travis Kel or Jason Kelsey, sorry, uh, Travis's brother, uh, one year, fourteen million. Um, Derek Barnett, they resigned him to a two year deal. Um, I didn't get the figures on the Derek Barnett deal. Fletcher Cox, one year, fourteen million. Uh, Hassan Reddick was probably their biggest um, addition. Three years, 45, 30 guaranteed uh, with a max value coming around 49.5. Um, and I like the Hassan Reddick move. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely a solid player, but I mean, it, that's the problem with the Eagles right now is they're going to put too much on him, you know, and, uh, where, where was Hassan Reddick at before? Arizona, is that correct? Arizona, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, and Arizona, it has the opposite problem. Arizona almost has too many good linebackers. Um, so Hassan Reddick wasn't able to, uh, I don't know, maybe get some of the stuff that he could have, that maybe he will get. Maybe he will finally step into that true um, void uh, linebacker that the Eagles have had for such a long time. But yeah. still – you know, it's the draft. And like you said, with the Lions, um, this is one of those drafts that is so deep in other parts that I really do feel like, you know, you can get a solid one-two punch for the Son Reddick and another linebacker from this year's draft and be set going forward. Um, then they brought in Kaiser White, another linebacker, one-year, $5 million deal. They re-signed Anthony Harris. Um, so Anthony Harris is the safety they signed last year from the Vikings. Um, and I really liked him uh, when he was on the Vikings. I thought he was going to be a super underrated uh, free agency signing um, for the Eagles when they initially uh, signed him. A bit underwhelming his first year in Philly, but they, they thought he did good enough to uh, get it another year back. So um, now, just like you were saying at the top of the show there, um, the Eagles don't give a fuck. They just shook up the whole draft <laughs> the month before. Uh, yeah. So they traded the 2022 uh, number 16 pick and 19 pick and uh, pick 194 to New Orleans 
in exchange for the 2022 number 18 pick, the 101st pick, 237, and then a 2023 first round pick and a 2024 second round pick. So initially, like I said, I thought it was all their first round picks. And I was going to be like, what is even going on? But the fact that um, it was only one of their one of their picks, or wait, yeah, one of their first round picks, and then uh, they were able to get a first round pick next year and a second round pick the year after that. Like the Eagles nailed that. So yeah, not only do they still have tons of picks, um, you know, in the draft. I mean, just they got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They have 10 picks altogether, but Dang. they have 15, 18, 51, and 83. Like, you know, and then they have – so they have, what, five picks in the top – I mean, 100 players. And, I mean, obviously they have the 101st pick, so it's just right outside. But Right, um, close enough. Yeah, like, exactly. And with the, the talent that's already on the team – you know, obviously the Eagles are – they went to the playoffs last year, got annihilated by the Buccaneers. Um, but in my opinion, they have an answer at quarterback. They have, uh, you know, Heisman Trophy winner at wide receiver. They have Dallas Goddard, tight end. Um, if they can just solidify some of these other positions that the Eagles have uh, neglected since their Super Bowl, you know, uh, their secondary, offensive line, um, just – playmakers in general um you know the eagles can really really make some noise um so this this year is going to be very pivotal for the eagles and i'm excited to see what they uh, and that's why i picked the eagles um like we talked about a little bit off the air um because they, they have all these draft picks they have they had well at the time i was more excited to talk about the three first round picks but it is what it is um so some potential targets that I see them kind of picking up in the draft. Um, I like Andrew Booth, uh, defensive back Clemson. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think you can get him kind of in those, uh, the mid, you know, they're picking a little late for the Derek Stingley's and maybe the sauce gardeners of the draft, but Andrew Booth, big corner uh, coming out of Clemson. I think he, he would line up with Darius like perfectly. Um, yeah. Chris Olave, a wide receiver, Ohio state. And then, Jameson Williams, wide receiver, Alabama. Um, you know I had to put a Bama boy on there. You know I had to put a Bama <laughs> boy on there. Of course. Um, of course. But, but uh, I like Jameson Williams, obviously, to pair up with the other two Bama boys that are uh, currently in Philadelphia, uh, yeah. Mr. Smith and Mr. Hertz. Um, and obviously, Jameson Williams is coming off that torn ACL um, that he suffered uh, late in the, um, the college football playoffs this last year. But he's uh, he's hoping to be running by by uh, by the end of this month. So which is crazy. Um, yeah. So I, I got Chris Olave, Jameson Williams. Uh, this is my favorite tackle. And I think that the Eagles are in that prime position to pick him at 15 or 18. Uh, Trevor Penning, I think um, just like you talked about with Detroit, um, there's a situation where I see him going like. At like 10 all the way right. through. 32 you know what yeah. I mean um yeah it just really is going to be where you value him um I personally think that we're going to be looking back on this draft and we're going to say that Trevor Penning is probably going to be one of the better uh tackles coming out yeah. um and then I got Kenyon Green uh guard at Texas A&M um I got Devon uh Devontae Wyatt 
out of Georgia, a defensive end slash D tackle. Uh, you know, just some guy that they can, um, you know, that can play multiple positions on the defensive line, I think is something good that the Eagles can have. That way they can kind of move some guys around, add some more rotation on that D line. Just, uh, you know, you have an older Fletcher Cox and guys like that. So those guys are going to be subbing out a little bit more. Um, so just someone that can play multiple positions on the defensive line, I think is super, super valuable for the Eagles right now. Um, and then uh, a linebacker, uh, Nicobe Dean from Georgia, um, I think at 18 is a perfect spot for him. Um, you know, he's obviously a leader on a stellar uh, Georgia defense uh, last year. And, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about Nicobe Dean. Yeah. Um, and then my final prospect that I got for the Eagles, uh, Jermaine Johnson. So Jermaine Johnson, uh, Jermaine Johnson the second actually, he uh, transferred from Georgia down to FSU, where I mean he was all right at Georgia, but the minute he got down to Florida, he switched it all up. Um, he had a great year for FSU, and yeah, he really has uh, jumped up the draft stocks the last couple of weeks. So yeah, and I I could see him going either at 15 or 18. Uh, there's a lot of people talking about him going as early as four to the Jets, which is crazy. Um, oh wow! But yeah, so. But you know how mock drafts be. Um, but, yeah, I yeah. see him personally more in the 15 from, like, 11 through 18 um, type of range. But, yeah, I think uh, I think the Eagles are going to definitely uh, – they already did shake up enough with uh, trading their picks to New Orleans, which, to me, it's just a big sign that New Orleans is trying to get in front of um, the Chargers. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not sure why. That's the thing that I was going to ask you about is – who do you think that New Orleans is concerned that the Chargers are going to take that they needed to jump in front of them like that? It's a See, lot to give up. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I was actually totally going to bring that up because I'm wondering myself. I like that's the only reason why you would jump that high. My my thought process is maybe like I don't know. I mean, like for New Orleans, my only thought is maybe if they think that the chargers are going to go tackle or if they're going to take a wide receiver that they want, but for the saints, I don't know why you would be of all the things you could be drafting, why you'd be drafting wide receiver tackle would make sense. But then for the chargers, you're like, well, I mean, they do need a long-term right tackle, but they right. like, they're not like, hurting for it right now and they just spent a first round pick on a tackle last year too uh so it's like right. it, it kind of confused me too and i'm not exactly sure what that was about or maybe we're overthinking it as far as uh them jumping like specific and, well it's because like they like almost sandwiched them you know what i mean like yeah they jumped right yeah i don't know we might be overthinking it but still I, yeah, it's, I'm on the same page as you is that I, I'm trying to figure out exactly what they were trying to do there. Um, but it could be just a move that they really wanted the two first round picks as well. Um, and then for the Eagles, just trying to get some depth picks and, um, you know, that's a good haul for what it is. It's just kind of a head scratcher until, you know, maybe we'll kind of have a better picture of it once we see what New Orleans does. Uh, it's also possible that, um, they're trying to uh, collect different uh, draft capital for like another trade that they plan on doing as well. So we'll, we'll have to see. 
but and then I did want to uh, uh, look at some of the additions that you were talking about as well. I really, really, really like the Hassan Reddick signing, uh, and he actually. So we were right about him um, being drafted out of Arizona, but he spent last year with uh, Carolina. Um, and oh, he's had nice. double digit sacks, uh, every year of his career so far. Um, so he's going to be a huge ad for them. But like you said, uh, with the way that this Eagles roster is currently kind of looking, uh, they don't want to put too much on him. And that is something that I wonder about coming from the, uh, Cardinals and then the Panthers is that he has had uh, pretty decent, uh, defensive lines, especially, uh, last year. When you look at Carolina and you got Brian Burns on the other side uh, and you have Derek so Brown good. eating up blocks in the middle, like that's, that's a good defensive line. And it certainly makes your job as a pass rusher a little bit easier. So you do wonder how he's going to respond um, with the Eagles defensive line that isn't quite as strong as it has been in the past. But like you were talking about here, uh, this is certainly a, a good draft to try and replenish that um given the amount of defensive line talent that's there, even in the mid rounds and later rounds. Uh, so yeah, a uh, ton of interesting stuff going on with the Eagles. I really liked Jason Kelsey coming back, obviously still one of the best centers in the league, but we thought he was going to retire. Um, and then uh, uh, Kaiser white, if I didn't mention him before, he actually left from the chargers. Uh, and that was a move that uh, a friend of mine, who's a chargers fan was kind of torn up about because Kaiser is, he hasn't been a star for them, um, but he has been a solid linebacker, a solid inside linebacker. Um, and so that was a pickup that I liked for the Eagles, a pretty cheap deal, one year, five mil. It's clearly a prove it deal for him because uh, I think that he's aware that he could earn more, but he probably was not getting the market that he wanted. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to go to a linebacker needy team. I'm going to fucking ball out and then I'm going to get a bigger deal this upcoming year. So, um, yeah. And then, so our four or for our third team today, I wanted to talk about, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, a uh, team that, uh, for me personally, I'm a Denver Broncos fan. I've always been a Denver Broncos fan. I was born in Denver, live in Denver, but, uh, the Ravens have always kind of had a soft spot in my heart, but then, uh, I was a huge fan of Lamar Jackson coming out of college and was cursing at the TV screen, watching him fall in the first round of the, I believe, 2018 draft. Yeah, 2018. Um, and he ended up falling all the way to 32. And then you see the Baltimore Ravens trade back in to uh, in that spot. And I knew immediately, I was like, they're, they're about to pick him. They're going to do it. And from that moment on, I was a Ravens fan as well as a Broncos fan. Um so definitely a team I wanted to touch on uh, before the draft coming up here. Uh, their head coach, John Harbaugh, been there for years. I think he just got an extension. I think I, so, too. I, I would have to look that up, but I'm like 90% sure. And then um, general manager, Eric DaCasa, he has been great so far. Um, and for their biggest weaknesses, we'll just jump right into it. Um, I think one of the biggest things for me is inside offensive line. Um, you're not awful on the offensive line. And we did have some injuries we were facing last year, um, not only in the offensive line, but across the entire team. Uh, and obviously losing Ronnie Stanley as a tackle does not help you off uh, inside offensive line either. Um, but uh, wide receiver as well. You have Hollywood Brown, you got Rashad Bateman. Um, 
neither of those guys, I think Rashad Bateman, you got to give him time. It's, it was only his first year last year. He was injured for part of it. Um, so he could still develop into something. Um, Hollywood Brown, I love him and I know Lamar loves him, but he has not produced uh, what we need him to, as far as being uh, the supposed primary threat on this offense. Um, so, well, I guess really he's supposed to be that, but um, because of uh, Mark Andrews, it, that just has not been the case because Mark Andrews has just blown him out of the water in terms of production. Um, and then Edge as well, um, after losing Judon to the Patriots uh, a couple years back now, and I think he just got an extension with the Patriots as well, um, it, you know, the, a position of need that has not been filled quite yet. Um, and then I would like to see some more cornerback depth as well as some safety depth, uh, despite also signing Marcus Williams and then, uh, right tackle, uh, you talk about Orlando Brown leaving to the chiefs. Uh, I believe it was last off season, uh, with yeah. the trade and that was a blow for sure. You would have wished that he would have just sucked it up and played cause he's a good tackle, but, um, glad to see him get his bag. Not glad that it's in Kansas city. Wish it would have been literally anywhere else, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, we'll, we'll move on and we'll pick another tackle. And then uh, for some of the additions for the Ravens uh, looking at uh, speaking of tackle uh, signed Morgan Mo- Moses, uh, probably going to be your starter this year at right tackle. Um, so really when you look at right tackle in the de- uh, draft, you're thinking more of a uh, possibly developmental guy. Uh, you can pick high there if you want, but for me, I think that's the move for them is you have a, a starter for this year, maybe even next year. Uh, Morgan Moses, I believe is 31. So he's not a spring chicken, but he's a proven starter in the league. Um, and we'll get Just the job done the for you. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, well, how did yeah, you feel about him this last year? Uh, he did a very serviceable job. Uh, yeah. I, so I would have loved, um, actually, this is the first time I'm seeing that he signed with anyone else. So I'm kind of sad about it. If I'm being honest with you, I want the Jets to bring him back. Uh, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely glad that he is going to uh, he's going to a good team, and yeah, even more so. Yeah, I think exactly what you just said. Uh, got a starter this year for sure. Maybe next year or so. If you need a guy to, you know, maybe come in for you if you know Moses' stuff uh, is play kind of declines a little bit next year, then um, yeah, I would I would say that that's the way they should go. But yeah, I think you're right. Very yeah. serviceable right tackle for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And it, like, you, like you said, it, it gives them that platform to not have to feel like they need to immediately fill that spot. Um, so they can have the freedom to uh, either take a more developmental later round guy in this draft or not even take one this draft and just wait and see what their options are. Um, though I do think this is the class to do it personally. Uh, but yeah, so to move on, uh, that's a good ad. And then an even better ad safety, Marcus Williams, super excited about that. That's probably, it's gotta be the, the, uh, signing of the off season star player coming over from the saints. Um, obviously before that it was very much rumored that we were in the Teron Matthew sweepstakes. Um, and I would have been very happy with that, but I do think that Marcus Williams is going to be, uh, more of a, like classic uh free safety that will give us that like 
you know, just cover the field and not like, cause I think with Tehran, it would have been one of those things where you're going to have to mold the defense to him, because if you don't do that, you're misusing him and he, you're not going to get the production that you want out of him. Um, so right. I think Marcus Williams gives you that ability to plug and play a little bit more because he's more of a, a prototypical um, or more standard, I guess, um, player in, ter- in that term. Uh, and then uh, defensive tackle Michael Pierce comes back. I was so sad to see him leave, I think, in – 2019 or 2020 to the Vikings uh, played a couple of years there. Finally came back, back to the flock. We'd love to see it. Uh, and then uh, defensive end Clayus Campbell actually just this morning when we talked about it earlier in the show as well, uh, coming back and re-signing with the Ravens. Uh, one of my favorite moves of the off season there as well. Um, and then for departures, got a big old list here and some big players in it as well. Uh, First of all, cornerback Jimmy Smith, uh, been with the Ravens forever. Dude is like 33. Me too. He Love he came you. out of Colorado as well. Um, see you. And uh, yep, see you. First round pick. Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, he was great for the Ravens. He is still a free agent, as far as I'm aware. And so I, I feel like it's a possibility that he could be one of those like post draft signings. Um, and I'm hoping that uh, he just comes back to the Ravens. Um, but I can also understand at this point in his career, why they're uh, ready to move on. Uh, and then Anthony Averett as well at cornerback. Um, I, it's escaping me who he just signed with. I think we covered it last week, but, uh, he's solid. Yeah. Probably a good, like second, third, maybe even fourth corner, depending on how many you have. Um, and he, you know, he's not a star, but he was a solid depth. And part of the reason why I feel like, uh, that needs to be filled in. Um, and then defensive end, Justin Houston, uh, that had come over from the chiefs was never huge on him. So I'm not too sad to see him leave. Uh, especially Houston. I, he's like, he's fine. He's okay. I think there's better options. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not crapping on him, but he's like, you know, we could do better. Um, and then inside, inside linebacker, Pernell McPhee, uh, pretty much depth guy, Tackle Alejandro Villanueva. He actually retired um, and he didn't really work out for us anyways. He was kind of in the past, the later years of his career and just was not uh, like that was the year that he was like, yeah, okay, it's time to hang it up (laughs) afterwards. He's like, yeah, I proved it to myself. Um, And then center Bradley Bozeman. That's a bigger one. Somebody that has been solid for us. Um, and now that is a need that we're going to need to replace, uh, and center is one of those things that it does take time to, uh, like pl- you can't just plug somebody in there because of the relationship with the quarterback and it does take time to develop that. Um, so sad to see him go for sure. Uh, wide receiver, Sammy Watkins, uh, eh, yeah, that's yeah, about all I, I have agree. to say. Um, and then two running backs here. Devonta Freeman and Latavius Murray, uh, both of those guys, you know, as Raven fans, we, we thank them, um, for their service because after losing JK Dobbins and then Gus Edwards to injuries, uh, season ending injuries in the beginning of the season last year, um, the Ravens were just throwing their hands up in the air and they're like, our whole team is based on running and we've lost pretty much like two thirds or like three quarters of that, you know, force 
when you're talking about a, you have Lamar Jackson, but then you have to figure out what you're doing with running back at that point. Um, and so they, they filled in as well as anybody could have asked them. I think both of those guys had you uh, asked people off the street and you're like, Hey, what do you think Latavius Murray is going to do with the Ravens? You know, there would be a few people that would say who's Latavius Murray. And then a few other people would say both with him and DeFont and to Freeman is just like, they pass their prime. They're not going to, give you the production that you're expecting, especially when you're used to JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards, the Gus boss. So thankful for those guys. Devonta Freeman uh, in particular did pretty decent. And I hope that uh, I don't believe either of those guys have been signed yet, but I hope that um, that was enough for them to get another chance somewhere in the twilight years of their career. Um, And then so to list out some of the draft picks uh, that the Ravens have here, Uh, In the first round, they have number 14. And then in the second round, number 45. And then two third rounders, four fourth rounders, and then one sixth rounder. Yeah, I was like, dang, that's a lot of fourth rounders. And it's, you know, this is the draft to have that. We keep talking about the uh, ridiculous depth in terms of uh, really the trenches. So offensive line, defensive line, uh, a little bit more in the corner. There's some positions in this draft that, you can get solid, solid contributors uh, in those mid rounds. And so to have a bunch of those stacked up is uh, really intriguing and it'll be exciting to kind of revisit that later on and see how much value they were able to get out of that. Um, And then to cover some of their needs here, first of all, we can talk about inside uh, inside offensive line. Uh, A guy I just talked about in the Lions section, Dylan Parham out of Memphis, uh, specifically going to be a center for you. Um, but I think that he could be somebody that can be a long-term solution for sure. Um, and then Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M, he's going to be a guard, really. You could put him at center, uh, but I don't think he played snaps at center at college, uh, which, you know, fixable, but not ideal. Um, and then wide receiver, uh, first guy I like that I know you really like as well, Drake London out of USC, a big target. Uh, ridiculous ball skills. He does need some work in terms of his route running um, and just overall kind of like detail, you know, but like he is a a monster um, and will be, I think that's a perfect fit when you look at Lamar Jackson and his favorite uh, target in Mark Andrews, you have a big body target that can get out in space, find the hole in the defense and then high point the ball or like, just attack the ball, I guess I would say, uh, because right. you like Hollywood Brown, you like the speed, you like the fact that he can take the uh, top off the defense. You like Rashad uh, Bateman and some of the things that he's been able to do so far, but neither of those guys are dominant. Like the ball's in the air. I'm going to take it. You're not taking it. This, like, this is my ball. Like, that's just not like who Mike they are. Evans. Exactly. Exactly. Like bully ball. You know what I mean? Like that's not who they are. And I think that having that type of uh, like X receiver for this offense is really what we need. You know, you think about a uh, um, big old X receiver, uh, Drake London on one side, you have Hollywood Brown taking the top off on another, or you could even put him at SWAT. Um, But I also think that Rashad Bateman, uh, despite his size, is able to fill a slot role if you really wanted him to. Um, and then you have Mark Andrews on the inside and that running attack, like that's just mouth-watering. That's a, that's a loaded, 
Yeah, that's a that's a loaded offense. They yeah. got Lamar Jackson. So yeah, I mean yeah, another cool. weapon right there. Like it's yeah. Um, so yeah, Drake London would be my ideal, uh, but an, an kind of value guy you could probably pick up in the second if you wanted to, um, or maybe like the late first, potentially, depending on how things fall, George Pickens out of Georgia. Um, he's a guy that probably would have been like a, for sure, top half of the first round, I would say, if not just first round, um, talent, but he missed the entire pass last year, uh, with injury and then declared for the draft. So it's just kind of one of those things, but uh, I mean, looking at his tape prior, you see the talent, uh, and you see that he's somebody that will be able to contribute very quickly, more than likely. Um, and then for edge, uh, a couple guys, uh, for kind of deeper in the draft, just cause I don't think that the Ravens will, um, look to go edge high, um, is George Karloftis out of Purdue, somebody I know we both really like as well. And then, uh, Arnold Ebukati out of Penn state. Uh, and both of those guys, like I said, you know, second, third, maybe even fourth round for Ebukati. Um, but you know, both of those guys are going to fill that need edge, not something that like you need immediately, but something that has enough depth in this class that in my opinion, I I would take it at some point. Um, and then for a cornerback, if you're going to go high, um, I picked the same guy uh, that you chose for the Eagles in Andrew Booth Jr., a little bit of a bigger corner, um, has really good ball skills, knows how to break on the ball, knows how to cover. Um, and then Kiar Elam out of Florida. And uh, for safety, I like uh, Brian Cook out of Cincinnati. He's going to be a strong safety. And uh, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State, also a strong safety. Both of those guys – I'm thinking like second, third round, um, and, uh, just hit people and, you know, let Marcus Williams do his thing and let Brian Cook or Jaquan Brisker go out there and just hit people. And, uh, for tackle a couple guys that, uh, I, I doubt that like, unless they really wanted to commit to, uh, um, like if a penning falls to 14, or, and they really right. like him or something. But I, I believe, uh, cause the thing with this class with a uh, tackle is a lot of those guys are left tackle, um, and had really only played left tackle in college and you can switch those guys. It is possible. Um, but that's something that like, without being a coach and talking to those guys and understanding their strengths and weaknesses on that level, it's kind of hard to say like, Oh, it just, take Trevor Penning and switch him over to right tackle and he'll totally be fine with that. You know? So um, a lot of those right tackle guys that do have experience there and are proven there uh, more so than even some of the top prospects. Uh, it, I like uh, Daniel Falale out of Minnesota and then uh, Nicholas uh, Petit Frare. And um, yeah, both of those guys, you could probably even think about getting them in the third, fourth round. Um, but it just depends on how it falls. Um, so yeah. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to talk about with the, uh, uh, Ravens here? Um, no, dude, I thought you did a great job. I will say that, um, if you are able to get any of those like primetime receivers, um, 
like now that you mentioned what that offense could look like with any of them, with like literally any of them. Right. Um, yeah, it's 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 terrifying. Like if a Jamison Williams drops, and I know that he's like again one of those top, uh, take the top off type of guys. Another guy that you you might be able to get to that's uh, I mean as far as big body, not so much. Uh, but I mean, dude, John Minchie also plays for Alabama, yes. and another another stud. That he's probably going to fall in the second or third because of um, yep. yeah, because of tearing his ACL as well. So yeah, that offense uh, could look really scary if the Ravens do something um, do some things as far as like wide receiver goes. Um, and then yeah, any of those corners. Um, I really do think Booth just like Booth to the Ravens feels really good. I I, I really really like that. I, I really right. do think that. That's a perfect spot for him to go right in 14, right up, right outside the top 10. Um, it's not too far down. I think uh, Kair Elam might be one of those guys like closer in the, from 18 down to 32. But yeah, yeah. I think Booth, Booth Jr. is, um, he's, he's earned himself a, a nice spot, um, you know, in the upper 15. So yeah, dude, I think he killed it. Um, I am excited to see what the Ravens do because Hollywood Brown and no offense to you, but I think Hollywood Brown kind of sucks. So, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna disagree with that. Like, I and I know, I know Lamar, and Lamar's the realest dude ever. Like, I follow Lamar on Instagram, and he just is the realest one ever. He always shouts out, shout, uh, shout out to his boys. So, yeah, uh, I know, he, I know he loves Hollywood Brown, but Hollywood Brown got to figure it out. Maybe that number change is gonna. Uh, flip it around for him. Did he wear five last right. year? Uh, or did he? I wear, believe he did. Thought, yeah. Oh, did he? Never mind then. Never mind. I thought he wore fifteen last year. Whatever his old number. Uh, oh no, you might be right. I can't. I now I can't was, remember. I thought, yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. I I just saw I saw Antonio um with a a Hollywood jersey on and it was five. So I was like, yeah, is this the first year that maybe the number change is going to do good. But either way, I hope the Ravens do good because. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know you care for the Ravens, and I like Lamar. I want Lamar to. I want Lamar to do good, and get that bag, bro. He needs yeah, that I, bag. Yeah. That's the thing that's going to be the biggest thing that um, I guess you didn't cover with the Ravens that I should have criticized you on is: <laughs> are they going to are they going to pay Lamar Jackson a billion dollars? They have to Dude. pay him a billion dollars, right? Right, because it's like. But where's his value because because of the running aspect of it? Like that's that's the and especially like I don't want to say it, but like running quarterbacks tend to naturally digress a little bit faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like no, I, I don't want to put it out there because I don't want the universe to take that and somehow it gets to Lamar Jackson. Because right. I love put Lamar. out put out the bad juju. Yeah, I can't do that. I can't do that. He's already no, I, one of those, and he plays for the Chiefs. Yeah, exactly. That was that was masterful. Thank you. Um, I, know, I got it. I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> um, no, I I totally agree with multiple points that you made. First of all, really love Booth Junior. I do think that that I feel like that's a really good fit as well. Um, and then yeah, with Lamar and his contract, I really do feel like it's it's a combination of a lot of those things. Um, with Lamar publicly facing, it seems like he is more concerned with the football aspect of it 
and he wants to win. You know what I mean? But I think he's also smart enough to realize that um, his, I don't want to say lack of success because he won an MVP, but uh, the fact that he has not gone as far in the playoffs as you would like, and that this last year wasn't uh, as successful. Although to be honest with you, this, if this last year should have uh, given him his contract because watching him carry a ridiculously injured team to the wins that he did is just, yeah. Dude, every single week almost, I was like, the Ravens yeah. won? How did they win? They were down exactly. like 23 yeah. points. Yeah. No, it, it was just – it was absurd to watch. And it, it kind of reminded me of what ended up happening in the, the last few games of uh, last year. And you talk about, um, like, the Raiders versus Chargers and that QB duel and then the Chiefs and the Bills and that QB duel and, like, those, uh, like, just, like, last-second superstar moments from a quarterback where they're willing it. And they're just like, I am not losing this game. It's just not going to happen. I love it too. Yeah. Uh, And to me, I mean, again, I'm, you know, Lamar Jackson, number one fan. You got to get a bumper sticker or something for that. But like, uh, I I, uh, would have paid him years ago. And uh, honestly, for me, like from a long-term perspective, I think the Ravens should have paid him like either last year or yeah, because I, you know, the logic of uh, keeping him on the rookie contract, I get that. But then after the um, Mahomes deal, and then you see the other quarterbacks. Yeah, you see the other quarterbacks that are coming up soon. I'm like, okay, we know we're going to pay this guy a lot of money. Why not just pay him a lot of money now, make him happy, and then that contract is out of the way and the market is not as high as it's going to be the longer you keep waiting. Um, but I've also heard that uh, part of it is Lamar Jackson, not necessarily wanting to uh, like finish signing a contract. And I don't know if that's because the Ravens are like trying to put a number in front of him that he doesn't agree with and he wants more um, or like I was kind of getting into, but then I sidetracked myself was like publicly facing, he's kind of presented it as he's focused on winning. He wants to win. That's what he's concerned with. Um, But I I do think that he's aware that if he comes out this next year, maybe even wins another MVP, that would be cool. Uh, Or at least gets to the playoffs, wins playoff games and gets them somewhere in the playoffs. Um, That's going to result in more money for him. And that's undeniable. So I, you yeah, know, I, kind of betting on himself. Exactly. Um, so like, it's kind of hard to tell which one of those is more true because it could go either way. Um, but yeah, if I was the Ravens, I would have gotten it done. Like even right after the MVP season, like just do it. That's, just get it done. That was kind of, that was kind of my thought is like, if I was ever going to pay, because now if I'm being honest with you, like if I'm a GM, I don't even know when to pay Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I would have paid him. I would have paid him. Cause like, if you wait, cause now, now you're kind of in his territory where he's like, I'm waiting. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I only want to talk about ball. Yeah. And you're like, fuck. Yeah. Like I can't I'm like, uh. but yeah, I would have paid him after the MVP season because then he's at so far the highest of his high in his career. And you can set the market instead of having to deal with, the market being set already like yeah. what the Dolphins had to do with Tyreek Hill. Yep. You know what I mean? So 
It's, exactly. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that you're just like, oh, now this guy wants to get paid, you know, 0.3 million dollars more than this guy. So now I got to figure all this shit out. Yeah, right. it's uh, I yeah, I, I do get it for sure. Um, good job on the Ravens, dude. Good job on the Ravens. Good job on Lamar. Thank you, man. Good job to you as well. And you know, I I appreciate you bringing that up as well because that, that completely escaped my mind, and that that's a good topic to talk about. Um, but I think that uh, we covered a lot of good stuff today. Um, I'm really enjoying this pre-draft stuff, and I, I like it's interesting to take a look at. Um, you know, cause it's one thing to, you like, you know, some of the players, you know, the coach on the team or whatever, you know, their general situation. Um, but then it's another thing to go and do a, a kind of deep dive on them and just see what the roster looks like, see what, where they're going, what they need to get to where they're, they want to go and et cetera. And, uh, I've been having a lot of, a lot of fun with this. Um, so tonight, uh, it is April 9th. And that means that uh, the UFC fight air fights are going to happen tonight. Uh, I'm sorry. What is it? UFC 257 or something along those lines? 273. 273. <laughs> Way off, but close enough. Cool. Uh, you got it. Yeah. No, but so we are both super pumped for that. Um, that's going to be something that we're going to talk about uh, on next week's show. And um, as well as, you know, the normal NFL stuff. And uh, I'm excited to, to do that with you, Enrique. Absolutely. I'll see you tonight. Um, quick, quick little pick. Um, who do you got in the uh, in the main event tonight? You got uh, Volkanovski or the Korean Zombie? Mm. I mean, my my immediate like thought is Volk, but just to be the contrarian, I really kind of want Korean Zombie to just go out there and just beat him up, like just just stun him. Could you imagine? Dude, like, just Dude, gets a first round knockout. Like, please. That's that's um. Well, like, it, that's honestly pretty much what I was gonna say. Like, although I do think Volk is probably gonna win, why can't we have a random Korean zombie upset? That would be right. That would be crazy. Plus, if if um, uh, and you know, the UFC, we won't get too hard into it because I know we're right at the end. But the UFC does such a great job um, recording the big uh, pay per views, like the lead up and the backstory behind all these guys. And I watched the uh, UFC um, uh, countdown episode that they did for the Korean zombie. And he's yeah. just such a good dude that yeah. you like, you can't like, he's just such a good guy. And he's been uh, fighting for such a long time that you, I can't imagine the UFC without the Korean zombie. And so you just kind of want those guys to get a belt. And then, you know, maybe retire or defend the belt one or two times and then, you know, lose to like, you know, probably Max Holloway. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a good time. I can't wait to see you. And, yeah, man, I, uh, I think we killed it today like we always do. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. Yeah, this has been a fun show. I am pumped to go watch those fights with you later tonight. And uh, I guess we'll see you guys next week here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And this has been the Mile High Flight Show.